Welcome to Out of the Arts with Beth and Amy. We will help you bridge the gap between an arts career and a career outside the arts industry. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media at Out of the Arts, linked in the show notes. Welcome to Out of the Arts. I'm Beth, here with Amy, and we're going to talk through the top nine skills most performers have that are easily translatable to a non-arts job. Some people are improvisers. And some people need to memorize the entire script before they can even walk into a rehearsal room. Both are fine. Both come with their own skills and pros and cons, right? No one is perfect, but we all have these great basic skills that are awesome, even if we're not in an arts industry job. We're going to talk through some of those skills today and talk through how to translate them to a resume for the non-arts industry. Feel free to use anything that we talk about today, use it in your resume, or shoot us an email, send us a comment if you have any questions. We've gotten some really good feedback. In particular, a lot of people are talking about how it's really important that this article focuses on uh, embracing our theater skills and our theater experience and performing arts experience rather than hiding it or apologizing for it and trying to compartmentalize in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And that's, I love hearing that because that's exactly what we've been going for. It's reminding us that you know, even though we have theater degrees or theater experience, we have so much to give in a non-arts job and a non-performing job and it's sometimes hard to see how those things can translate and i'm really glad that people are getting good things out of this and and realizing that they can embrace their performance history and not try and shove it aside cool what do you want to start us off with what's our first skill for today our first skill is being a fast learner So I know that as a performer in the past, I, in rehearsals, a lot of things are shoved at us. We are given blocking, we're given direction, we're given all of these things, and we just take a moment, take it, and then run with it and see what happens. I know a lot of people, especially professional level performers, are used to picking up a dance combo or a song or a scene very quickly, sight reading, sight learning, um, memorizing. We have really fine-tuned memorizing skills. You can memorize and learn things really quickly within a day or even sooner. So this type of really quick learning is so, so, so important because it means you can pick things up quickly and run with them and do a good job. And you don't have to constantly be uh, drained. Uh, And hiring managers are really looking for people like that who can really just take things and run with them. So this is something that's really, really important to highlight on a resume. And some awesome examples of this 
are, you know, have you ever done an event where you have designed, taught, rehearsed, whatever it may be, an entire skit or dance number or something like that all within a day or two and just pulled things together? That is uh, a really good example of quick learning and quick acting that I think employers would love to see. Another thing is talking about how in rehearsals you can take feedback and apply it on the spot. <clears throat> Taking feedback is something that's really important to a lot of employers as a general rule, but also, you know, being willing and able to take it and run with it, that is going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of being able to take things on the spot and make it work, our next skill, skill number two, is flexibility. So what, we know what that means in theater arts or in performing arts. We know that flexibility is you were given a set of instructions, a set of blocking, and then two days later, that blocking has been totally uprooted and totally rearranged because the set designer wants to have a table in the middle of the stage. That flexibility is not just about blocking. That flexibility is about your way to say, okay, I know I had to learn this before, now I need to do this a little bit differently for the betterment of the team. To make the whole package work, I know that I can't stick to what I learned two days ago. I need to have a shifting mindset, be flexible, and look to what the next goal is. So that flexibility, really important, and you'd probably be surprised how many people don't have that. So some ways that you can show this on a resume, some ways that you can word this, is that you can say you saved a live performance in front of X amount of people by improvising for an accident, right? These improv improvisations are also a form of flexibility. Your partner did not remember their line, so you had to figure out how to either give them their line or continue the story. And if you can do that and you have those examples, it's a great example of flexibility. Or you can say you were an understudy or swing and work through that language so people understand what that means. But if you say I was an understudy for John Proctor had to go on and perform for 300 people for four nights with two hours notice, that shows immense flexibility. And it shows that you are willing to say, okay, again, I was doing this, I was thinking like this, now I'm a little different. How do I make this continue to work for the betterment of the team? Yes. Is that flexibility? Great. Yes. And flexibility, of course, leads right into our third skill, which is creative problem solving. So creative problem solving can go two different ways. It can be right on the spot and it can also be over long term and uh, using using planning and putting things together. So things that really go into creative problem solving include thinking critically, 
not being afraid to dive in and get into the nitty gritty of things and being able to easily see things from multiple perspectives. All of this put together typically makes you a creative problem solver. And the word creative here is key because a lot of people can solve a problem because you have a formula, something goes wrong, you know what needs to be plugged in to make it go right, you do that, great. There's nothing wrong with that either. But creative problem solving, that being able to see things from multiple perspectives and take a different turn, that is what's really important. And I think that that's what actors and artists and people with creative backgrounds are able to do a little bit differently than people who maybe don't have a creative background. So this is really what you want to market is creative problem solving because that makes you a chameleon and able to solve problems in any type of situation. Some really good examples of creative problem solving for your resume include, uh, you know, maybe you had difficulty relating to a character that you were cast in once and you actually employed several acting techniques and research and all of these pieces pulled from different places and you put them together in order to be able to portray this character. That's creative problem solving. Also something like you're adapting a play or a piece of music or something for a contemporary audience and you're trying to modernize it. And some of the things don't necessarily quite fit and don't modernize well. That can be the case a lot of the time, but you were able to make things flow and still make things understood. You were part of that team. That's creative problem solving. Sometimes our skills are not as creative. I mean, we always make them creative. That's just the people we are. But some skills are not necessarily so exciting. Like our next skill, which is scheduling. As a performer, you're not only scheduling your rehearsal time, your time in work with other people. You are scheduling your time to work on work outside of work. You are scheduling your time to work on work while not at work and holding a nine-to-five job, right, for many people. Or maybe you are scheduling multiple pieces of work. You know, if you are a freelancer, if you are working maybe with a couple of different companies, you're trying to figure out how do I schedule myself so that I can be in the Christmas show with one company and the spring show with another company, but oh, this company is doing something around Thanksgiving that I really want to do and work on. How do I schedule all of these elements so that I can do all of them? All of these, all of these scheduling skills really come in handy and definitely are handy outside of the arts industry where you're trying to manage multiple projects, maybe multiple bosses. How do you keep everybody happy? Well, you do it the best you can, right? We all do. So we have some examples that you can say you schedule yourself 
for one full-time position, a part-time position, and extracurricular activities during the week. You manage your own schedule as an entrepreneur, especially if you're working, if you're not full-time with a company. You can say, as an entrepreneur, I am scheduling myself for this, 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 and this, and manage these schedules. And then scheduling independent time outside of traditional work hours, which I guess is something a lot of non-arts industry folks know. They don't know how much work goes into the arts industry and into performances when you're not in rehearsal. I guess they think you just learn everything in rehearsal, but we all know that the world doesn't work that way. So feel free definitely to talk about your scheduling abilities, your ability to keep it all together even when there's a whirlwind of stuff happening around you. Yeah, and that leads really nicely into our next skill, which is the ability to work independently. We all know that we don't learn everything in rehearsal. We do a good amount of work outside of rehearsals, preparation, scene study, practicing, memorizing, all of these things are so important to do outside of rehearsal so you can actually work together in rehearsal. So the ability to work independently is really important. And I know that I personally and a lot of other performers have a system for this, right? Whether it's like, you know, you have your lucky hoodie that you always wear to sit down and hunker down and learn lines, or you have certain work music, a certain playlist that you listen to for getting, diving into character development, or, uh, you know, you always have to have a cup of coffee and uh, you settle in front of the mirror to work on lines and blocking, whatever it may be, you have a system that you know that works well for you to get things done on your own and get them done well. So you're focused, you're disciplined, and you don't need any guidance to get these things done. This ability to work independently and have these systems in place that work for you is a really important skill because no employer wants to be babysitting an employee. They want to give you what you need to do and offer guidance, of course, but let you go and get things done. So it's really important that you can work independently. And some examples of this include uh, maybe you've developed a routine, like we talked about for script study or whatever it may be. And this on a regular basis has made you the first person to have lines memorized Maybe you're constantly memorized before off book date. That's something to be proud of and to make sure that employers understand that you're able to do this and that you're, you know, you're good at working independently. Maybe also, this is a personal example, despite lacking a background in dance, I have when, when I've been given choreography, I use a combination of notes and videos that I take in rehearsal to practice choreography on my own, at home, in my living room, outside of rehearsal, so I can be up to par. 
and rehearsals. This is really important that you have tools and you have things that you use to help you out outside of rehearsals so you can really hunker down and get things done in rehearsals. Yeah, and when we think about the things that we do in rehearsals versus outside rehearsals, when we're translating that to the non-arts industry, we need to think through, you know, rehearsals are meetings. Rehearsals are committees, things like that. That's what rehearsals are. Rehearsals are meetings with your boss because you've done 18 documents and you need to talk through all of them and make sure that your your boss approves, right? That's what rehearsals are when you're not in the arts industry. So it is not that these things don't apply. It is that we need to just make sure that we're focusing on the terms we use and making sure we know how to relate it back. So for you guys, that's that relationship is in the office. Your rehearsal time is that meeting you're having with your executive team versus all the work you do at home as a performer is the work you're doing just to prep for that meeting, all that individual work. So as we continue through, our next skill is being a great collaborator. You can work in a team setting. You can work with 10 people. You can work with two people. You can work with the other performers and your designers and your directors and the backstage staff that you met two days ago who's going to strip you down to nothing because you have a quick change. So those relationships, uh, you're the other lead who I'm going to be working with every day for the next however many months. These relationships and this collaboration ability to just accept people as they are and work with them no matter what, that skill is great. Great. I've seen so many jobs lately where it says, must be able to work with people of all different backgrounds. Well, we got that in the bag. Yeah, and let me add in here that this is something that is really unique to performing arts professionals. We collaborate from beginning to end, and we've been doing it since the beginning. You cannot create a performance, a show, a concert, whatever it is, without collaborating. This is just so deeply ingrained in the profession itself that we don't even realize it's a skill. It's just part of what we do. Yes. So it's so, so, so important because the rest of the world, the non-arts world is not always like this. The ability to collaborate is so important and it's so part of who we are and what we do. Highlight this times a thousand. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you will, if you are, if you leave the arts world, you will meet other people who say that they're collaborators and then they will do things and you'll say, that's not collaboration. If I was in a performance, here's how that would have gone. And I guarantee you, nine times out of 10, you will have the more collaborative method 
for working through a process because we do it so naturally. Amen and hallelujah. We've done it since we were 15 years old in high school. Yes. We know. Yes. So, so if you are, let's say you just happen upon this video and you are not in the arts industry but thinking about hiring someone in the arts industry, you should do it for yourself. If you need a collaborator, this is the person you want a hundred times. Yes, amen. For those of you who are performers, how do we write this on a resume? You say, I worked with a team of 15 actors and 13 staff to produce show or event or whatever. You say you traveled with a team of X amount of people to produce show X in so many theaters over so much amount of time. And you want to be able to show, here are the amount of people I've worked with. Um, maybe you're just doing Waiting for Godot, and I think that's three actors. Four? Three? Four? Um, but most shows are more than that. So I'm sure you guys have some good examples you can pull out. We could not do a list of performer skills without talking about not just that collaboration, but presentation and oral communication skills. This is a huge one too, that we forget it's an actual skill because it's just what we do. Mm -hmm. But as a performer, there are things that you know that a lot of other people don't know, like how to comport yourself and how to hold your body, how to make yourself heard in a large room, how to make yourself understood with diction, how to use gestures, how to use tone of voice, reading a room and reacting to it. These are things that performers are experts in that a lot of people do not have any training or skills in this realm. I've had to explain what a power position is and how if you stand one way or you sit or you do something, you are weakening your power in the room. And they were all like, that's a really weird thing to know. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> it's not that weird, though. No. I, I can't believe that a group of trainers doesn't understand this and doesn't realize that how they stand, how they speak, the gestures and things they do are making a difference in how they're perceived by their audience, by their classroom, whatever it may be. This is a huge one. And especially when highly developed, like actors particularly and performers are, this is a, a skill that is majorly sought out by hiring managers and recruiters for jobs in sales, client relations, marketing, public relations, training, all of these things, which are very good paying jobs, I may add. So this one is major. If this is something that you enjoy and that you're good at and you're good at wielding the power and holding it, this is a really great avenue to try and go down. And some awesome examples of this for a resume are, you can say, I'm skilled at preparing and playing various characters in multiple styles, settings, and venues. 
So this tells a hiring manager that I know how to change my body language and my tone of voice and all of these things to keep an audience interested no matter what's going on around me. That's really important. Another example is maybe, have you ever used your performance background to act as an MC or a spokesperson or something along these lines, something outside of the typical onstage acting realm? These are important too. A lot of performers are often sought out for these types of things. So if you've done something like that, you can highlight that. If you have experience teaching, you can highlight that. Things like these that are in these power-broking positions are really awesome to highlight on a resume. Our next skill is organization, which hopefully a lot of people have this just in general in life. Organization skills are really important. Um, some of us are better at it on the day to day. Some of us are great at it at work and terrible at home, right? You, we all know that person who at work looks like they got it all together. And at home, it looks like they have just opened up a box of blankets and thrown it all over the house. So your organization skills, A, matter. And B, they're strong between your scheduling skills, having to organize your own schedule, having to organize your interviews, auditions. Maybe you're also in school or try to juggle all those things at the same time. We know that your ability to organize, organize events, organize yourself are definitely important and something worth promoting. So some examples would be that you, your organization skills were necessary when you supported a team by organizing and tracking your 100 props when producing a show with 100 props. Maybe you did noises off, right? They have a ton of things. <laughs> Maybe you supported the team by keeping track of 30 items of costumes when producing 1776. Right? How can you tell a non-arts employer, I have great organization skills. We know you do because you've been in performing arts. But how do you write that down? Those are some really good examples. And for anyone who has been watching or listening, there's an article we've posted on our website. We'll link it in the show notes that goes through all of this and gives you some good written examples. So then that way, if you're working on your resume and you need some ideas, you can also go look at that. Yes. And the last skill we have to highlight today is promotional marketing. This seems like a really odd skill to highlight, but this is something that a lot of companies are looking for. Someone who is willing to advocate for their product or their service in a way that's exciting and innovative. And as actors and performers, this is what we do. We do this for ourselves. 
we do this for the productions we're involved in, for the companies we're a part of. You become a part of this and then you're advocating for it and you spend a lot of time working to get people into audiences and to help people understand what you're doing and how you're doing it, to help people see how you as a triple threat or as an actor, as a dancer, as a singer, stand out from the crowd. These are all things that we're constantly doing all the time. And employers are always looking for marketers to help advocate for them and for their products and get out there and not be afraid to talk to people, to really be willing to explain to people why they should use this product or why they should uh, take part in this service or whatever it may be. And so bringing in that power broking aspect a little bit more, maybe you have improvisational training and you're able to successfully direct conversation a little bit so you can really get people interested and help them out answer their questions and get them interested in whatever you're working on. The other thing is maybe you were out there selling tickets and uh, it's a one night only performance and you need to explain to people what the importance and significance of this uh, is. And you're out there on social media and in daily conversation and on the subway platform, whatever it may be, you're not afraid to get out there and do it and talk about these things. This is something that I think is really unique to performers again, and that a lot of companies are looking for people willing to do this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these things put together, there are so many other skills that performers definitely have. And some are unique to being a performer, being involved in performing arts. Some are unique to you personally, whatever it may be. All we want to get across is don't be afraid to get out there and say, I'm a performer, I have a performance background, and that's why I am uniquely qualified for this non-arch job. Don't be afraid to use your performing history and knowledge and experience to apply for a non-arch job it still applies. This has been your career and something that you've dedicated your life to for a long time. Don't just erase it. Use it, stand up for it, show that you can really be an asset, not despite, but because of your performance background. And that it doesn't matter that you are not directly experienced in what they're talking about because you have experience that can really be helpful for this job. So if you see a job posting that you're really interested in, but you feel like things don't quite line up, don't be afraid of it. Don't run away from it. Don't shy away from things that you think you can't do or you think that hiring managers won't look at. 
there will always be people out there who are willing to support as long as you advocate for yourself. So use those promotional marketing skills <laughs> and get out there and advocate for yourself and your arts background. Thank you for joining us today on Out of the Arts Podcast. If you have questions or want to see specific content, please leave a comment or email podcast at outofthearts.com. See you next time. And until then, we are rooting for you.